as a chosen people to become light to the world. We are Transformers. I thought he retired. I believe in being in submission to my pastor, and Pastor Adam asked me if I would share this morning, so I said, sure. We're talking about Transformers, and this morning I want us to know we're talking about you and me, all of us. We are to be transformed, and we are to transform others, so we have a calling before us. We have a purpose before us to be transformed. I was reflecting... um, the last couple weeks about, actually it's been the last couple months, about my own life and my own calling and what God has done in my life and is, is doing in my life. Um, and I remember very clearly back in 1971 when I was going through some really difficult things in my own life and uh, my, my life just was not in a good place, and Steve Hauser talked with me about Jesus Christ, and I wasn't the least bit interested in what he had to say, uh, but that one particular night, I remember when he asked me to come over to his house, because he, his pastor was going to be there, and he had some things to say to me, and I said, okay, I'll go to your house, and I immediately said, why did I say that? I don't want to go there. <laughs> And I went over, and this pastor was Dennis Kutzner, and he shared the gospel with me, and, and he talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wanted to do something big in my life. And I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. He didn't talk about that in my church. Uh, but I went, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my life was dramatically changed from that point on. I was instantly transformed Many of the habits I had that were destructive in my life immediately left. Had no desire for alcohol, no desire for cigarettes. Still had some things going on in me. Still was struggling with some things. Had a temper issue, had to deal with that. Had some other things going on that were a part of my soul. But God had so transformed me on that night that my life was different from that point on, and I've never had a desire to go back to the previous days. Um, I was transformed. But now that I'm a pastor, and I've been pastoring this church for, well, no longer pastoring. I I guess you can't just stop, you know. For 43 years, uh, over that period of time, I've learned that that's not the normal way. That's not what typically happens. Typically, people have a touch from God that changes them, and then they have some big struggles to deal with. And it's not a dramatic conversion. It's a slow conversion in someone's life. That's what I typically see. Now, every now and then, God does something unique in somebody that's out of the ordinary, like what he did with me. So I want to kind of visualize this this morning. I want to paint a picture for us of what it looks like for the normal Christian that makes a decision for Christ. And I, have, I want to start with this visual, just, just a straight line. Just put that first one up there. Let's say that this line represents your life. Over here to the left, 
this is when you were born. And over here to the right, this is when you die. And, and this, I hope, is many, many, many years long. I hope you see decades of your life. And things uh, in life play into that. Good things that happen to you, blessings, good luck, uh, they, that, they play into that. And then there are enemies in this world that try to hold you back and throw curveballs at you. Uh, those are the negative things. And all those things play into your life to make you what you are. Now let's modify this just a moment. I, I want us to go, go in there just a little bit. And this is where you meet Jesus Christ. That changes everything, or should. You're not just joining a church, you know. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Holy Spirit coming into your life, beginning to modify you, your very character, your very personality modifies that. Now, notice how I got a line from that point going upwards, because this is what happens to a Christian. There is a principle in Christianity called redemption and lift which basically says no matter what time era you live in, no matter what part of the world you live in, no matter what the cultural uh, aspect or the political aspect of the world you live in is, it changes everything. It lifts you up. It lifts you up economically. It lifts you up morally. It lifts you up financially. It lifts up your self-esteem and how you see yourself. Redemption and lift is a basic principle for a Christian. And it's an upward trend. You get more and more like Jesus as you go through life being influenced by the spiritual side. But this is an idealistic view. It's really not like this for most of us. It's more like this. <laughs> A few twists and turns and ups and downs and reversals and problems and difficulties. Isn't that a good picture of your spiritual development, ups and downs and revivals and, and disappointments. And that's the way it is. But, but notice it's an upward trend. You're moving upward. You're more and more like Jesus every day as you go. There's a couple times it looks like you're not because you got discouraged and disheartened and th bad things happen, but then you get back on track. It's an upward movement. So, it's, it's, a, it's a picture of this. Let's put this last one up. When you got saved, that was initial sanctification. You instantly got sanctified. God forgave your sins in an instant. When you asked him to forgive you and accepted Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you, there was initial sanctification. You were sanctified. And when you died... You got to heaven. That's ultimate sanctification. When you finally can get away from this flesh body and its appetites and, and its, its, its desires, when you finally get away from this flesh body, you're in heaven. It's the ultimate sanctification. But now, this journey upwards is progressive sanctification. You are progressing in this direction. Some people misinterpret Scripture. They don't know what the Scripture is really saying. And they come up with some 
crazy ideas. And they think it's all one sanctification. The minute you get saved, you got this, the ultimate sanctification. That's really not true. If you look at your life, you have to be honest and say it's progressive because you're more like Jesus today than you were before. But no matter how much faith you got, you still got the twists and turns and disappointments. It's, it's more that jagged edge, the progressive journey. You're not, you're not in your glorified body yet. You may think you are, but the people around you know better. <laughs> they know you're still on the journey. So, I want to give us a biblical model of this today. I want to pick someone out of the Bible. I want to look at their life, look at their journey, and I want you to see that it's that jagged, upward, progressive direction toward God. I want to look at the life of Moses. It's a good example. He starts out with what I'm going to call the enslaved refugee. He was born, had to start as an enslaved refugee. Exodus chapter 1 verse 2 and chapter 2 verse 3 says this, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. How many think that's just unfair? You don't favor one gender over another. But this is what Pharaoh was doing. See, he's He's, he's trying to work at population control. They got too many of these Jews. They just keep having more and more babies, and the babies grow up, and they're going to outnumber us. We've got to control these people. Then he goes on, he says, But when she could hide him no longer, Moses, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now this is one of the first stories most of us have learned in Sunday school or in Bible school, uh, vacation Bible school. When we're little we learn this story. Moses is born into slavery. Doesn't know anything else. It's his birthright because his father's a slave. You see, this is, this is a picture of all of us being born in sin. It's our birthright. Our father Abraham introduced it to us. It's, 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 we get it honest. We have this sin nature. We want to do what we want to do. It gets us in trouble every time. So Moses is born into this abject poverty with no hope of getting out of it. And his father is the one who has established that for him. Now notice that the enslaved resist enslavement. They're slaves. So when Pharaoh gives the order, every boy's going to be killed, every girl gets to live, that's not fair, but that's just the way it is in slavery. You're, you're, you're in bondage to it. So his parents resist that law. They put the baby in a basket. They take it down to the Nile River. 
and they put the basket in the reeds, hoping nobody notices it's there. It's away from people, so if the baby cries, nobody will notice. So they hope, and they station his sister to watch, take care of him, because at the end of the day, when everybody goes home, we got to take this baby home and nurse it so the baby can be strong. That's what it's like in enslavement. No hope. This is just the way it is. How are we going to keep this baby who's a baby and likes to cry and make noises? How are we going to keep this baby safe? You see, others control them. This is what slavery is. It's when somebody else controls you. I don't like somebody else controlling me. Do you? You're, you're awful quiet. You've got to help me tell the story here. You and I, we don't like when somebody else controls us. So the enslaved refugee, this is what he's born into. This is his birthright. His father gives it to him. Now I want us to look at the second stage of his journey. And this is what I'm calling the embraced prince. Because it says in Exodus chapter 2, Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby, probably was crying, went to see what that noise was, found out it was his baby in there. It's one of the slavery kids. His sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? See this amazing twist to the story? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, which is an Egyptian name, saying, I drew him out of the water. That's what Moses means. In, in Egyptian, I drew him out of the water. I rescued him. God arranged for an Egyptian to rescue him. See, God's ways and twists and turns are not like ours. You never can know what God is doing. So don't get upset when bad things happen because God's behind all the things that happen in your life. It's the, the jagged line. God's behind the scenes arranging things here. So Moses was raised in royalty. He was raised in the palace. He was educated like any of Pharaoh's kids would be educated. He was a part of the elite in the land. He was entitled. God has brought him from slavery to entitlement. Everybody gives him attention in, in Egypt. But remember... Every night, when he's little, he goes back to his mama, and his mama nurses him. You know what that was probably like? She probably sang lullabies, godly lullabies, you know, the same kind of, Jesus loves me, this I know. You ever sang that to a little baby? Instilling that in their soul. She instilled that kind of thing. That God is good. God will rescue us. God has a plan. She instilled that in him from his infancy. 
So he is growing with a, a dual perception. He, is, he knows he's an Israeli. He knows he's a slave. He knows where he belongs. He knows who his father is. But at the same time, now he's got a new father. A father that instills in him pride. A father that instills in, in him self-confidence. You are not one of those people. You're one of us. Built up this positive self-esteem in him. But he knows what his roots are. Knows where he comes from. He's got this dual nature. Yet was indoctrinated by his mother. He's got a new father with wealth and privilege. And he belongs. And he's a leader, not a follower. Educated in the Egyptian system. He knew how to control other people. He knew how to be in charge. God was teaching him things. This is the second phase of his life and what God is doing in him. And inside of him is this awakening of care for the underprivileged. So one day when he sees an Egyptian abuse one of his brothers, an Israelite, a slave, he rises up. And he's immature, but he does what God wants him to do. He wants to be a rescuer. And he, he kills that Egyptian and buries him in the sand. But then he found out there was a witness. And Israeli is going to tell on him. He's been blackmailed. If that Israeli tells, his life is over. And he does. And Pharaoh orders the execution of Moses. So Moses flees the land, running for his life. Which takes us to the third phase of his life. He's born into poverty. Then God moves him into wealth and privilege. And now he's running for his life. And he ends up in a land of Midian, which the King James Version says is located in the backside of the desert. Now, the backside of anything isn't where you want to be. But that's just where he finds himself, the backside of the desert. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15a and, and uh, verse 17 says, When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue. And watered their flock. Moses has this desire inside to be a rescuer. God just put it in him. He tried to rescue the Israeli that was abused. And it backfired on him. But it's in his heart. It's just got to come out. So he's over here now rescuing these shepherds. A bunch of women. From the well. Taking care of them. 
What he failed to do in Egypt, he now finds once he's free, he can be successful. He succeeds in rescuing these shepherds, these sheep. He's in the backside of the desert. Isn't that a bad description of a place? Or good description of a bad place, I should say. Backside of the desert. There's, there's nothing there. It's a barren wilderness. Nothing. He goes from privilege to nothing. Have you ever felt like that was your situation? That you went from blessing to nothing? I have. I've been there. I don't like it. But it was a part of my journey. It's a part of your journey. We don't like it, but it's okay because God's trying to take us someplace. Genesis chapter 46, verse 34 says, For all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Oh, Egyptian culture hated shepherds. It was precious to the Israelis, but it was detestable to an Egyptian. And Moses has been trained to think like, a, like an Egyptian. And so he's doing something he doesn't want to do. He's a shepherd. God is teaching him humility. He's got to be humbled again. For God to use you, you have to be humbled. You have to... God will take you out of nothing and put you in plenty and then take you out of plenty and put you back in the nothing again. That's, that's the jagged journey that we're all on. We all have to experience this. Now he's a shepherd taking care of those stinking sheep. Sheep that won't do what you want them to do. You can't sleep at night because somebody's got to be on guard because those sheep are so stupid, they, they don't know how to protect themselves against the wolves. So he's got to take care of them. He's a rescuer. Learning humility. But in Midian, he finds this very attractive young lady and marries her. And he obtains a new father. He's got a new father. He's the priest of Median. Everybody respects him. And Moses has a new father. It's a new chapter. It's a new life for him. He's been born again, we could say. He's on an upward journey, being more and more like God. And his new father treats him like a son. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I got a new father. My earthly father was basically absent, but I learned that my heavenly father never goes anyplace. He's always got his eye on me. Always watches out for me. And here in Midian, nobody's afraid of him like they were back in Egypt. Nobody's afraid of him. They treat him like an equal. They treat him like he belongs. This is a good thing about when you become a Christian, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you belong. 
And everybody in the family of God should treat you like you belong. And I know sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes we've had enough pain from our past that we, we, we think other people don't treat us as an equal. But in the church of Jesus Christ, that's the way it ought to be. And all of us need to discipline ourselves to treat others like that, like we belong. That's the exiled shepherd phase. Exiled shepherd. And we go into this fourth phase I want us to see, the fourth stage of his life. This is what I call the empowered leader. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Notice, God speaks Egyptian. Moses, Moses, no matter where you got your name, no matter what your identity is, God knows who you are. He's got your number. He's got your name. Moses, and Moses responds, here I am. God begins speaking to him out of a bush, and he calls him to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Your destiny all along, Moses, has been to be a rescuer. God has called him to be a rescuer, to set the Israelites free. And he's tried and fumbled and failed, but that doesn't mean that's not his call. It means God is sharpening him. God is preparing him. God's educating him. God is equipping him. And God will do the same with you. He will equip you today for what he wants you to do next year. So don't belittle the things you're going through today. Don't belittle the things that happened in 2023 that weren't so good. It's because God is preparing you for what he's got in 2024. We need to move ahead, move ahead. So Moses argues, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Does that sound like anybody you know? I, 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 can't, I can't do that, God. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't talk very good. God says, okay, I'll give you your brother Aaron to be a prophet for you so he can, he can communicate on your behalf. Now notice, Moses had a call of God, but so did Aaron. Aaron's job and Moses' job were entirely different, but they were in partnership, and God called Aaron to come alongside Moses, help him accomplish that. Moses said, well, what, what, what if, I, if I tell them God says this and they don't know who you are? What do I tell them? How do I prove it? And God, God looks at him and he says, what's that in your hand? Uh, That's my shepherd's staff. God says, throw it down. So he threw that shepherd's staff down, representing being a shepherd, and he threw it down and turned into a snake. Then God says, grab a hold of that snake and pick it up. So he grabs it by the tail and it stiffens up, turned right back into a staff again. God is trying to prove to Moses that he can do anything through him. 
So here he discovers he has a new father. In each of these stages, he has a father that treats him different. And in this stage, he has a father that backs up what he says, works miracles, signs and wonders for him. And he even speaks to him in a bush of all things. The bush is talking to him, which teaches me the lesson that if God wants to talk to me, God only knows what format he's going to use. He can use any kind of, any kind of format to speak to me. He can use a, a Bible story to speak to me. He can use a person to speak to me. He can use a, a television show, a worldly television show, and speak to me if he wishes. He can use any format he wants to because he's my father. And he uses... He uses language that I understand. Uses things that I understand. So here's what I want us all to grab from the story. Life is full of twists and turns. That's the way it is. You were born and you're headed down this straight line till you die. And if you give your life to Jesus Christ anywhere along that journey, it changes your destiny. It changes the trajectory of your life. It moves you upward, that redemption and lift. It moves you to be like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. And it's full of twists and turns that discourage us and dishearten us. But I want you to hang on to Jesus. You have a new father. Who loves you? You have a new father who cares about you. He's got his eye on you. And he wants, he, he is at work in you to develop in you what he wants you to do. You are transformers, and that transformation always has a purpose. Now, a lot of you are younger than me, and you kind of grew up on transformers. My generation, we had Howdy Doody string puppet <laughs> your generation has transformers and when it transforms it has a purpose it has a purpose it's not just a toy I mean it has a functional purpose when it transforms you God's trying to develop something in you you're a transformer and it's your destiny to transform this world around you your little corner. And if we will all do what God's called us to do, this, this world is going to change. So let's just listen as God's doing some development. And as he's, as he's trying to break some of the old things in your life, some of the old habits, some of the old attitudes, as he's trying to break that so he can transform you into something better, let him do it. Let him do it. Surrender. Let him break you. Because he wants to remake you into something much better than you were at the beginning. Amen. Let's all stand together. Precious Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you will move in the hearts of men and women all across this room. You've already been moving. You've already been doing something. The, the people that uh, weren't too sure, 
They, they stayed home in bed where it's nice and warm. But these people came out in the cold because they wanted to hear from you. And so I, I, I pray, God, that you will take this word, settle it down in each of us so we can be the people you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.